This is the Alone With Our Principles podcast, episode 19, the 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California. It is his love. It is his passion. I'm Eric. And I'm Chris, and we're both elementary school principals in the Asperia Unified School District in Southern California. On this episode, we explore the topic of teachers using their outside interests as a way to connect with their students in the classroom. Our guests are preschool teacher Mary Sue Cox and fourth grade teacher Ellie Garcia. Alone with Our Principles is unofficially sponsored by People for Ethical Treatment of Animals and Starbucks. We're living La Pita Mocha. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. I'm the principal, man. All right, so welcome, everybody. Of course, always with us is our fact checker, Miss Carrie. Hello, everyone. Hi, Carrie. Good to have you back, Miss Carrie. Hi, gentlemen. <laughs> Hi, ladies. And again, I want to introduce our special guest. So this is the very first episode we've had with teachers. Yes, we're and excited. So we're excited. Uh, and so um, I want to introduce again Mary Sue and Ellie. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. So excited to be here. <laughs> We're excited for you to be here as well. So, you know, we kind of want to start off by just letting our audience get to know you both maybe just a little bit. So uh, can you just tell us a little bit about your background, where you came from, where you got to? And So my name is Mary Sue, and I'm actually a high desert kiddo. Um, in this building that we're in now, I remember being registered back in 89. Um, and I went to about five different elementary schools throughout Hesperia Unified. One of them was the one next door. I went to Joshua Circle. I went to Carmel when it used to be over here off of E, right? Or F I. That's oh, wow. before my time even. Yeah. 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 I used to be there. And then um, and then I went to Carmel. And yeah, this is my background. I'm a high desert kid. So how did you end up where you are now as a preschool teacher in the district? So I was actually English is my second language. So I learned it when I was twelve. So when I first came to this district, I I was learning and there wasn't a lot of people that spoke Spanish. Um so when I was in high school, I was able to get a position and I was working in an after school program. And the reason why the school did that was so that I can reach the grade level. So I was working with first grade, second grade, and I just totally fell in love with the kids. It was like, this is what I want to do for a living. I want to be a teacher. So I did preschool, mostly because I thought it was going to be easy and come to find out. <laughs> it is not Famous easy. last words. I taught high school and preschool is way harder. I can't even imagine. Four, what, four, are there four-year-olds? Three, four-year-olds four? with special disabilities. Oh, my goodness. We do anything from mild to moderate. Okay. Yeah. Well, and if I may just indulge the audience a little bit more, because when, when we picked you up, you were doing kind of both. You were doing preschool, but working with high schoolers at the same time. What was that like? It was so much fun. It was, I had the best experience. So I was working with the Sultana High School students doing an ROP program, and the teachers would bring me their babies, their little guys, and they had to be four, and it was high school teachers trusting this teacher to have their kids and then have the high schoolers too. Yeah. And it was just such an amazing experience. In fact, that's where I started implementing what we're going to talk about today, the yoga. Oh, great. Excellent. Very cool. All right, Miss Ellie, how about you? I am not a high desert kid. I am a military kid, so I was actually born in Germany, and then... When I moved back to the States, I lived in Georgia and Alabama, South Carolina, Texas. And so 
When I moved to the high desert, I actually went to Silverado High School. I moved here around 15. So I graduated from Silverado, and then right after Silverado, I went to uh, UC San Diego. And then from there, um, I got into Teach for America, which really kind of just propelled me into teaching. Wow. And so you've been teaching for how long now? This is my seventh year teaching. All in the high desert? Um, I taught three years in San Jose in the Bay Area, and then I moved back down here, and I've been at Lyme ever since. Now, I know we're going to be talking uh, to you, Ellie, specifically about the music and your music program in your classroom. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your music background. So I started playing flute when I was in sixth grade. Um, I joined the school band, and then when I moved to California, I got into marching band because... High school is where the marching band happens. Oh, I remember. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I was, definitely, I was definitely that kid, but I was also the drum major of the marching band for two years. So I actually got to go to Drum Major Academy uh, for a summer, and it was really intense, but it was also really fun. And so in high school, I actually, I was begging my parents for a guitar. Like, I played flute, I played saxophone, I played drums, I was in the drum line as well, and I begged my parents for a guitar I got the guitar. It sat in the corner of my room for about a year, <laughs> collecting dust, as things do. And then one day I just picked it up and I started teaching myself from YouTube. And oh, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, you can learn anything on YouTube nowadays, actually. You can learn how to change your filter in your refrigerator, too, just for those wondering. <laughs> that's just hypothetical, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, when I started teaching, I, I was it was really hesitant to bring in my guitar, but... Honestly, the second, like, that first drum, it's like kids are just, like, mesmerized. They're like, oh, my God, music. And so that's kind of where my music background starts. Uh, that's awesome. I am a fellow band geek. Yeah. Uh, I played trumpet, marching band back at, uh, I went to Norco High School, um, and I grew up in New Jersey, and all the same, the same marching band experiences. I was never the drum major, but being in the trumpet section, I made it my mission to make our drum major miserable. <laughs> Uh, so as, as trumpet sections often do. So thank you for sharing that. That's great. Yeah, so I had a competition at Norco High School, I remember, oh, when wow. I was in uh, in high school as well. Six years ago or whatever. I'm sure it's going to turn into another Mr. Mogger's old joke. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I beat you to the punch there. Yeah, exactly. You've just started school, and the path you choose now may be the one you follow for the rest of your life. All right, so we're going to move into the next section, and that is we're going to talk about our quiz. So we always have some questions we like to ask our guests just to help our audience get to know you a little bit better. So the first question we would like to ask is, uh, can you tell us about a funny or a memorable story from when you were a student in school? Mary Sue, you want to go first? So when I was in um, elementary school, I was in third grade, and I had a teacher. Her name was Miss McVeigh. Do you, any of you know her? I think I do, yes. It was her first year of teaching, and I was her first student that did not speak English. Oh, wow. And I remember sitting in class, and she wrote the word cat on the whiteboard, and she wanted me to, to tell her what it is, and I'm like, I don't know what that says. So she told me in Spanish, gato. I was like, this lady's crazy. That doesn't say gato. That's like, that's like cat. Like, I don't, I don't, so I remember that experience. And I know gato, and that's not gato. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then another memorable experience, too, since you guys are talking about band, you should know I was also in band. I met my husband in band. <laughs> I learned how to play an instrument to talk to him. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that's why I play trumpet, so I can talk to him. And uh, we were in high school at Apple Valley High School, and I was—I played trumpet. He was a drummer. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> All right, Ellie, how about you? Funny or memorable story from when you were in school? 
Uh, yeah. So like I mentioned, I moved around quite a bit. And so what happened was, is that I started kindergarten, but I got like, we went out to recess and then like a teacher like blew a whistle. And so all the kids were running. So I was like, all right, like I'm, I'm going to run with them. So I end up in a first grade classroom and I'm there for like a week before anyone realizes that I'm actually <laughs> supposed to be in kindergarten. But I learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you going back to kindergarten going, what is going on here? We're way ahead of this in the other class I was in. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Our second question then for the quiz is, what is the best job that you've had outside of education? And Mary Sue, we'll start with you again. I've had so many jobs. <laughs> um, I would say, I mean, nothing beats education. Of I, course. That's the love, right? Um, I did work at an auto parts store, and that was fun. I did that for about four years. I used to deliver parts like all over the high desert. And I was actually in a robbery oh, when geez. I worked there on 7th Street. I kept the clipping, you know, kind of like a star. <laughs> yeah. Highlights of the career. Um, but, yeah, I worked at Crayon Automotive for four years, and it was it was a fun job. I mean, it was never like education, the best job in the world. Of course. Yeah. And what about you, Ellie? I mean, I don't know if this, I guess, categorizes as education, but in college I was a college ambassador, which is a tour guide, basically. Okay. So when, when people would come to the campus, I would get to give them tours. And as you can imagine, we had a lot of interesting people that came to the campus. I got to meet uh, Bill Clinton. Um, I gave a tour to, like, the Mexican national tennis team. I gave a tour to, like, 150 kids straight from China. And because I spoke Chinese and I was learning Chinese, I gave it to them in, like, half Chinese and half English. So, like, I would use words that I knew, and I'd be like, oh, tu uh, guan, which means library. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, tu guan. <laughs> and, and so they were so amazed. Like, at the end, they were teaching me some more Chinese, and I was teaching them English. And so it was just a really cool experience, and I got to, like, meet all kinds of people. My, my favorite things were giving carts on tours, uh, like tours on carts, and you get to drive the golf cart around the campus, and you're, like, pointing out things. So it was a really great job. That sounds like a lot of fun. Now, where did you learn to speak Chinese? Uh, in college at UCSD. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You have got to be one of the most well-rounded guests we've had. <laughs> I mean, play 17 different instruments, uh, speak different languages. That's pretty impressive. Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Bueller. All right, so we're going to segue now to our main topic for the day, which is bringing your passion and interests into the classroom. Uh, I know, Eric, uh, when we look to hire... Uh, principals are really anybody. Uh, one of the things that we focus on is authenticity, and especially at the elementary level, but this is going to be true across the board. Uh, you know, I found that be the most successful teachers are the ones who can be themselves in the classroom, uh, that they're not putting on airs, they're not putting on a show, so to speak, but they are who they are, and that's what we look for when we, when we hire. And if you can bring in your own outside interests and personalize your classroom based on what you're passionate about, obviously, that's going to rub off on the kids. And I know, uh, Eric, why don't, you, why don't you talk about a couple of the teachers maybe that you've worked with over the years, and then I'll mention a couple, and then we'll, we'll kick it over to the ladies. Yeah, there's uh, one in particular one that comes to mind, and it was a teacher that uh, was at the school when I originally got hired. And every spring, for about two or three years, I would watch this teacher go out into the, uh, the grass area at the school, and he had one of these um, old-school push lawnmowers. Right. Right. I don't know if you've ever seen these, but it's like there's no motor to it. Right. You just go out and you push it back and forth and you got to go a few times to actually get all the grass cut off. 
And I would see him for days and days on end out in the grass cutting all these – I thought he was doing like crop circles or something, all these <laughs> random things in the grass, and I had no idea what he was doing. Um, but I quickly learned that he did this unit with his, his class, sixth grade class, um, and it was, a, it was a form of golf. Um, and I, I can't remember, but I think they used either Frisbees or they used – they didn't use golf balls, but it was yeah. it was modeled after golf. You were there, you right? Know what I'm yeah, yeah, about. yeah. Uh, he used. I think he he played three rounds of six holes each. Yeah. One you had to kick a mini soccer ball. One I think was there a frisbee, go. and then one you had to throw a tennis ball, as well. And he used that. He brought in math concepts and, mm-hmm. and all of that and physical activity. So I, I, I can't say I don't know that golf was his passion, but it was truly a, a labor of love to watch him go out there and spend all this time just to get set up. I mean, literally for, I think, a week or two, he was just prepping and he had fairways and he had greens and he had the rough and he had all yeah. these things that he basically created a golf course out of the grass every year. And I watched him for years do that. And, and it was such a cool thing to see him take something that he was willing to work so hard at just yeah. to provide that experience for his kids. And I remember he didn't have actual water hazards, but he would draw an outline and called it a water hazard. And if like you <laughs> threw your Frisbee into the water hazard to get out your penalty, you'd have to throw it with your opposite hand. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah it, it, he had a lot of details and it was, it was really great. He put a lot of thought into it yeah. for sure. Uh, and one of the teachers that I want to talk about is uh, a teacher I worked with at Carmel Elementary who was really into Monopoly. Uh, to the point where he made it to the final table in the National Monopoly Championship. Yes, there is such a thing, and it is taken as seriously as the World Series of Poker Absolutely. and all of that. And what he did is he brought that into his sixth-grade classroom. Uh, he, he bought a ton of Monopoly sets, and he taught probability and statistics. And he had actually created a Monopoly board where each property – had a list of the probability to land on that that particular property, uh, mm-hmm. boardwalk or whatever, what are the odds of landing there, calculated which, which color is landed on the most frequently, um, spoiler alert, orange. So if you're playing with your family, give them the dark blue, give them the green, the expensive ones that everybody is going to think are, are high, high yielding, but it costs a lot to build on them and you don't land on them as often, land on them as often. But the orange gets landed on a lot, and mm-hmm. it's cheap to build on. So trade trade to get the oranges whenever you can. But he did a great job. He was part of a Monopoly documentary. Uh, I just and the kids took took off with it. I mean, he invited me and the assistant principal in there to play, and they routinely trounced us. <laughs> Even after we knew all the secrets, the kids were completely into it. And because he was passionate about it, they became passionate kids about were. it. Yeah. So, uh, again, let's start with you, Mary Sue. I know that you mentioned earlier you teach yoga to preschoolers. Tell us about that. I do, but before I talk about that, um, I was talking to someone that I was going to do this interview with you, Mr. Mogger, uh-huh. and he's my best friend, and he told me to ask you about Carmelica. Oh, <laughs> uh, Carmelica, one year we did a karaoke, uh, karaoke day uh, at Carmel for one of our student incentives, and a few of the teachers and I... Uh, did a Metallica song. We did Enter Sandman, and because we were at Carmel, instead of calling ourselves Metallica, we called ourselves Carmelica. There's got to be some footage out there somewhere of this. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> well, you should know that this individual told me you're an amazing teacher, and he gave me that as an example. So oh, well, thank you. That's that. that's very nice to hear. <laughs> uh, I will see if I can find some footage, and we'll put it up on the Facebook page for Alone With Our Principals. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what happened is I was teaching at 
at Sultana, and high school students are just, right around prom time, they just can't concentrate. They're just a mess. The school is not even important to them at that point. And I had a student, or I had a, a, I taught child development, so I had a lot of girls in my class, and they were just spiraling. And I do yoga, and I told them about this yoga method. It's called, um, it's called monkey mind. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. So the monkey mind is basically, your mind is just, there's this monkey inside, it's going crazy, and you just can't control the monkey. So you tell them, control your monkey mind, right? I'm thinking high school students are not going to get that. So I would just tell them, tame the monkey. That's what I would tell the kids. Say that again? Tame the monkey. Tame the monkey. There you go. And it was so great, because when the kids would be out of control, I would just stop and I'd be like, tame the monkey. And they were just like, and they would just breathe in and breathe out. Nice. (laughs) Um, and so that was my attention grabber for high school. I mean, I only had seniors, and they loved it. And I remember they would come in and be like, Miss Cox, I was able to tame the monkey today. <laughs> and they would breathe in and breathe out, and they would show me how they, would, how they were just doing all this yoga stuff that I was teaching them in class, and I thought, this is so cool. So when I went to elementary, my students are nonverbal. Most of them are nonverbal. And I'm, there's no way I can teach them to say a mantra, to say something like that. So I was thinking, how can I get these kiddos that also have anxiety to also just calm their nervous system and make them, you know, more relaxed in the classroom? And it hit me. All I have to do is just have them breathe and just do the om sign. So it kind of sounds like, um, and they're um, so yeah. funny. They put their hands up and they do the little prayer hands and they bring them down and they're like, um, and you could just see the atmosphere in the whole class just kind of calm down. And at first my aides thought I was just crazy. And my co-teacher was like, what is happening? And the next thing you know is that everyone is doing it. All 25 of my special needs students will sit and meditate for 15 minutes, which is crazy for a four-year-old. They don't have that attention span. But what it's doing is it's literally they're just breathing and their nervous system is just calming down. And they can actually just process what's happening. Um, In yoga, it's called belly breathing. And I, I use it all the time. And so I started doing that with that and it just took off. People wanted to moves parents are doing it now on um, through our zoom sessions we it's just part of our wellness in our classroom and the kiddos don't have to use words and that's the biggest thing is you have to be respectful that these kids don't have words to use a lot of them not yet anyways and so it's something they can do that's simple to them and they they, you know it's effortlessly well and you've kind of tapped into something else too because i mean the courage that it takes to try that with preschoolers you know, especially nonverbal preschoolers. I mean, I can see high schoolers, it's sort of, I mean, it's great to bring in your passion, but with high schoolers, it seems fairly logical. But, you know, to first have the thought to try it with preschoolers and then to actually have the, the courage to do it. You, you know, you said that the aides looked at you as though you were crazy. In my experience, when you're a teacher in a classroom, especially preschool, kindergarten, first grade, the crazier people think you are, the better you're probably doing I mean, to a point, I guess, but uh, so <laughs> there is, yeah, diminishing returns. At some right. point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you could kind of elaborate on that, how did you make that decision to say, you know what, I'm going to go for this, and, and what ha- whatever happens, happens. I just had so much success with the older kids. I was there was no way that the little guys wouldn't like it. But more than anything, it challenges them because they're always bouncing around. So now we're going to bounce, but I'm actually teaching them something, and they think they're in control, but they're still doing a yoga pose. And just to teach them to breathe. But it was just something that I did just really, it was an anxiety-based thing. These kiddos just come in with so so much happening in the home. And when you're four and you have a disability, you're kind of in the background, you know? 
it's they're right. just trying to keep up with their peers and keep up with society. And in the classroom, I mean, they're trying to keep up with other kids that also have disabilities. So it was just a way of honoring them as students. And I just think that the yoga has really brought in so much positivity in the classroom. And then doing it through Zoom, I'm seeing parents do it too. And it's so great because the parents are breathing in and they'll tell, they'll send me text messages like, Miss Cox, can you do some more? Can you show us some more yoga? And so it's, it's just something that I, I did honestly to just honor them as students. You know, and if I just may really quickly share something about Mary Sue that, um, you know, when she came to us, she was a preschool teacher. Uh, she was not a special education teacher. And that was something that I know that she was nervous about. That's something that we were nervous about. But one of the traits that she has that I think has served her incredibly well is she's courageous in that way. Uh, she's willing to try anything with her kids. And, you know, and she's willing to fail. You know, and, and some of the best teachers are willing to try things and being willing to fail. More often than not, she does not fail. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say about her really quickly is that, um, you know, that whole distance learning thing. And so you think about how extremely challenging distance learning has been in a pandemic for all of our kids and all of our teachers. Um, you know, you take these kiddos that are three years old and four years old, and some of them are highly impacted. Um, um, but, um, you know, I've, I've walked in or virtually walked into her class many times and watched her and her paraprofessionals who are amazing as well. And the kids and the parents all in these yoga poses. If there's ever a testament for yoga, I'm telling you, spend some time in our in foundations and watch these kiddos and it will make you a believer. Absolutely. That sounds great. And of course, I think we've now, um, you may live on in along with our principals podcast, lore as i have a feeling that the phrase tame the monkey is going to be used in future episodes um most likely directed at me we but need to see if that hashtag has been taken yet because i think we could do some stuff oh hashtag tame, tame the, the monkey, monkey. <laughs> <laughs> all right ellie the musician tell us about how you use music with your fourth graders uh yeah so i mean incorporating music into my classroom really kind of came by accident uh my first year of teaching that like those first like 10, 15 minutes like of the day can be really chaotic. So I would play music. I would just play like whatever Spotify playlist I had. And it would be like the Beatles. It would be Bob Marley. Um, it would be, um, I know one song on there that a lot of kids really resonated with was We Are Gonna Be Friends by the White Stripes. And oh, so right. after, after about a couple of weeks, um, the kids I, I noticed would start to kind of sing along while this playlist was playing and while they were like doing whatever writing they were doing. And then, so I really got the courage to bring in my guitar and I, I told them like, and I'll be honest, like I don't have the best voice, but I've been told that my voice is, is soothing. And so uh, I played and I sang for them and it just really became like me introducing, like just opening them up to, to this like world of music that they maybe had no idea had existed. It's so, like the Beatles, uh, like I said, like Bob Marley, um, earlier this year, one of my kids had brought up, uh, Paranoia by Black Sabbath. <laughs> so like, it's, it's funny cause it takes on a, like, it's like its own role. Like the kids start sharing like music that they like and that they enjoy. And then I started really researching about just, I knew there were benefits of music, right? I knew that it had helped me as a student, but I remember there's a study in, I don't know like the name of the study, but I remember it, I was at a conference and they had said that they had a study where they would have a group of students sing as a group. And then they would have them do some sort of team project, some sort of team building exercise. And then the other group 
they wouldn't sing beforehand and they would just go ahead and start doing the project. And the results of the study showed that when kids sing together, they are much more successful at doing some sort of teamwork-like activity. And I realized that like singing in the morning and like playing my guitar in the morning and singing in the morning really kind of set the tone for the rest of our day. And so my kids, like kids that are in my class, I have like seven years worth of them, but they'll tell you, they can tell you right off the bat, like, We Are Gonna Be Friends is the song uh, One Man Can Change the World by Big Sean. Um, Hey Jude, Let It Be, um, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I also introduced them to songs that they probably would never hear of. And so I remember one time I played the safety dance. Oh, Men Without Hats. Yeah, Men Without Hats. And I remember just the look on these kids' faces when they were like, this, this is it. Like they just legit started dancing. You and can dance just, if you want to. Exactly. And you so can leave your friends behind everybody. Because your friends don't, don't dance. And if they don't dance, then there no friends. Anyway, go ahead. Um, so yeah, so the students just became really engaged in, in music. And in fact, one of the things that I started doing is making like a playlist for whatever grade level or whatever grade level I was teaching. Um, and a lot of it is students bringing songs to me that they enjoyed. And we do a lot of, um, so some of the challenges we do are like, show me songs that like give you goosebumps. Oh, wow. And we also talk about, I bring it uh, in, into social emotional learning as well, right? There, there's this, there's two different types of people, I think. So like when people are sad, sometimes they like to listen to sad music, but sometimes when people are sad, they like to listen to happy music. And so we talk about like what kind of, child you are? What kind of person are you? Are you a person that likes to listen to sad music? Or are you a person that likes to listen to happy music when you're sad? So just identifying those emotions and identifying a strategy that you can use to really work through those emotions has really been a positive force, especially connected to music. And um, sometimes like in the morning at Lime Street, I'll just like take out my guitar. And I always tell everybody that like, being a teacher, I think, is the closest you'll ever feel to being a rock star. That's true, definitely. just tons of kids start to gather, and they're quiet, and they just watch. And it's such a cool thing to, like, be able to share with students of all ages. And, my, and the students that are in my class will be like, oh, yeah, that's my teacher. That's Ms. Garcia. She, pl- she plays guitar. And so they're very, very proud of it. They have, like, a lot of, like, ownership of that. That is great. Now, what? All right. Uh, what's your go-to song? What's one song that just inspires you? Any whether it cheers you up or whether it just gets you going. What's if you had to pick one song that really resonates with you? What is it? And I'm going to ask everybody that too. So be ready. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this song, but it's called "To Build a Home" by the Cinematic Orchestra. Oh wow! It's a it's a great song, and there's like obviously orchestral elements in it. I'm glad um, I'm glad Carrie's writing that down because I yeah. have to search that one up later. Yeah, it's an amazing song, and um, that's definitely my my go to. Okay, uh, what about you, Mary Sue? Well, I'm Cuban, so mine's always Spanish. Anything Celia Cruz, it's salsa. Okay. <laughs> that's what, I listen yeah. to. what about you, Eric? Oh man, you threw me a curveball with this one. I, you know, I'm one of these unique people, kind of like you know, one of the things I appreciate about Ellie is. You know, the, the best testament I can give when you, when you walk in a classroom as an adult, whether you're an administrator um, or a parent or a visitor, and you walk in and immediately you feel like 
I want to stay in this space. I don't want to leave. I want to sit down. When you walk and you see kids that are working, but they're singing, they're humming. Um, and, and when they're humming, uh, you know, a classic like Hey Jude, it's just, it's such a cool experience. And, you know, when you don't want to leave, that says something about that space and that environment and, and the comfort there. So um, anyway, that's a testament to her. But, I, you know, I'm one of these people like, kind of like Ellie, I think that, I, I've never been able to settle on one particular genre of music. I am not the kind that likes to listen to sad songs, whether I'm happy or sad, sad <laughs> songs make me sad, period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I was raised on country music. I listened to all kinds of country music this morning, literally on the way to work. I got my car and I was like, I want to hear some Green Day. So I, yes. I put on Green Day, man, and all the way to work, I listened to three or four Green Day songs as loud as I possibly could. So um, it, it depends on the mood. Okay. But yeah, I'm all over the place. Yeah, and for me, generally speaking, um, one of those little-known facts that people don't always expect to hear about me is that I'm a huge Kiss fan. Uh, so <laughs> I'll, I'll just generally put on a Kiss playlist uh, when when the mood strikes or on a run or uh, just driving. But if I had to pick one song, it would be by a band, um, one of my favorite current bands, Incubus, uh, their song Drive. Uh, if you listen to it lyrically... Um, there's part of it goes, whatever tomorrow brings, I'll be there with open arms and open eyes. It's, it's just, that's kind of the whole gist of the song is about moving forward. And, you know, there's times where I've needed to hear that. And it's just, it's pretty close to a perfect song as far as, as far as I, I'm concerned. Yeah. It's interesting what, what drives us. Sometimes it is that like this morning, I just wanted to feel the beat. <laughs> other yeah. times those lyrical elements are hugely important to whatever you're, you're experiencing in life at that moment. Yeah. And then other days it's just Detroit rock city as loud as my radio. Go <laughs> 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 but well, thank you for sharing uh, that with us. That sounds wonderful. And now it's inspired me. I know Carrie, you and Eric get to get to see them regularly. And once we get students back, I'd love to come by and, and see that stuff in action. I'm, I'm very intrigued for sure. My office is right across that hall. Any monkey business is All right, so it's time to have a little fun. So we call this uh, our extra credit question. And so um, we always like to throw a question to our guests just to kind of see what response we get. It gives us a little window into uh, who you are even deeper than we already have. So the question we have for you both today is, if you could bring in a fictional character as a guest speaker to share his or her passion with your students, who would you bring and what would the topic be? Connecting to an academic standard would be nice, but not mandatory, of course. Who would like to go first? I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, and so I would hands down probably be bring um, Hermione Granger. Okay, and, and what would you have her teach? Um, I think I would have her teach just this lesson on perseverance, because she is, like, the type of character that, like, it doesn't matter. Because, like, in the Harry Potter world... She's treated a little bit differently because she's, quote unquote, a muggle, which is like a <laughs> non-magical person. But she is the best at what she does, and she doesn't let anybody tell her any different. And so I think a, a lesson on perseverance and just mindset would be really fun. Love it. I would bring Kermit the Frog. <laughs> you know, Mary Sue, I would have expected nothing less from you. But I, I'm really curious to hear about this, so please That's explain. That's my dream job. My dream job to be, I mean, other than being a preschool special ed teacher, I would say I'd want to be a puppeteer. Oh, <laughs> that would be great. Um, the reason why I would pick Kermit the Frog is I went to a webinar, or a seminar, actually, in Ontario, and he was there, the, the guy that does the voice for it, and it was the best one that I've ever gone to. Like, he inspired me. I was like, this man is amazing. But the reason why I would pick him is there's a song that he sings that's not easy being green. And it's all about acceptance, and it, it doesn't, I mean, he's like, oh, it's so drab, it's green, you know, it's the color of the leaves, he's like, it's not. But then 
he starts to look at it, and he's like, it's the color of trees that are so tall, and it's like, he just becomes this, like, magical color. And I just think our students, I mean, they're all unique, and if they can see the uniqueness in them, it just makes a beautiful environment. And so I would pick him because I also learned English by watching Sesame Street, and I just think that it's... Oh, hopefully not Cookie Monster. No. <laughs> but he's, 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 a good, he's a good catch, too. But uh, I think that Kermit the Frog is ideal for the preschool world just because he just brings an element of, I don't know, just happiness and peace and acceptance. And I also think that he's a fabulous singer. I mean, what more can you You also have, like, the Rainbow Connection, right? Yes, One of my personal favorites. Yeah. yeah. And if you see him in interviews, like, he's been interviewed by, by all kinds of TV personalities have interviewed Ellen has, and he's just, he's a charismatic guy, and his biggest message is just to be accepted. I can't top that. I'm not going. It's your turn. <laughs> Come on, Eric. It's not easy being green. <laughs> Living each day the color of trees. Okay, so yeah. we're, we're going to have to have the Facebook crowd <laughs> vote on, on Chris's uh, Kermit um, impression there. See what kind of response we get, but uh, but in spite of all that, I will go next. And you know, because I'm an eternal baseball fan, so I'm always trying to find a way to connect it. Uh, when I looked at this, I thought about Ray Kinsella from Field of Dreams. Oh wow! You know, Ray, uh, he's a dreamer. Um, he he, you know, I, I would use the word perseverance. So those that have seen the movie know that in spite of everything that's going on around him and everybody that tells him, I think they actually use the word fool. He's crazy, plows under his cornfield to build a baseball diamond and not really knowing why. And ultimately, the, the treasure at the other end of that is absolutely priceless when he gets to have a catch with his dad. Oh, so um, beautiful moment. I tear up every time. But he's just a dreamer and he's, uh, you know, he's willing to, to do whatever he needs to do and, and uh, you know, make those, those dreams become a reality. So uh, I'm going to go with Ray Kinsella. All right. And after much thought, I decided to incorporate physical fitness and philosophy into the presentation. So, of course, who better to do that than Mr. Miyagi from The Karate yeah. Kid? Obvious choice. Uh, he could, you know, be teaching karate, but he could also teach. He could do the thing with the fly and the chopsticks. Um, but think about it. When he taught Daniel LaRusso karate, he didn't know he was learning karate. He was painting the fence and sanding, sanding the, the deck floor. and waxing yeah. the cars. So imagine that in a school setting. At, you know, show me pick up trash. And the kids would bend down to pick up trash and you round kick over their head. So we would teach them how to av avoid being kicked in the head. He could say, show me tetherball. And they'd show that and that's how you throw a roundhouse punch. Show me clean the lunch table. Clean the lunch table. Now you're blocking kicks. It would be the same thing in a schoolyard setting. So that would be my choice. I'd love to bring you're in. You're training up a Mr. bunch of Miyagi samurai sure. ninja fighters. Karate for defense only, Mr. Lamb. <laughs> tame the monkey. <laughs> Show me tame the monkey. Show me tame the monkey. <laughs> Again, once we start using lines from the podcast as our titles, Show me tame the monkey would be the title of this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we 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 want to think on that one a little bit more. Yes, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I, oh yeah, I, and you know these two ladies. I you know not to brag, but I hired them. I hired them, and they they are uh, they are pretty amazing, and uh, they inspire me every day. So thank you both for coming on today. No, this was a lot of fun. We appreciate um, both of you being here and for for sharing the phrase. Show me tame the monkey. <laughs> Hashtag tame the monkey. Thank you for Thank you so much. That's the fact, Jack!
brings us, as always, to the fact check with the lovely and talented Carrie Lewis. Carrie, what do you got for us? All right, gentlemen, I have two for you today. I have one that was actually Eric's correction. I think that's the first one for me, right? Oh. Since we started this one. We have um, El- Elizabeth Garcia, Ellie Garcia. The one teacher- that I hired, yes. No, sir, the one you said you hired, but you were incorrect. She was actually hired She was actually hired by the prior principal. However, sir, in 2018, you made her permanent. Well done, me. If you can't see this, I'm patting myself on the back right now. <laughs> and the second one is in regards to the teacher, Tim Vandenberg, bringing Monopoly into the classroom. Um, that is actually a documentary, Under the Boardwalk, the Monopoly story, and it is actually available on Amazon Prime, I believe, for free, so check that one out. And that is actually all I have for you today. So I just want to say thanks for listening, everyone. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to the Alone With Our Principals podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast. And for more content, including videos, contests, and other information, you can follow us on our Facebook page. We're going to try to get some of those videos uploaded of our guests today, right? Maybe some videos of them in action. And uh, so check us out on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Chris. And on behalf of Eric and Carrie, we hope you'll remember the words of the great philosopher Ferris Bueller, who once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you can miss it. still here? It's over. Go home.